Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Good morning. Welcome to North Bible Church. Uh, my name is Troy Hawks. I'm associate teaching pastor here at North Bible Church, and just so glad that you are with us here this morning. You know, I, I consider myself a, a pretty ordinary person. And I, and I believe that I live a pretty ordinary life. And, and the fact that I'm pretty ordinary and my life so often seems ordinary kind of leaves me wondering sometimes, is there more? Is there more to this life? Should there be more to my life? I think of the words of Jesus, uh, who, who said that he came to give us life. And those of us who have come to know Jesus and, and who have been transformed by him, uh, born again, can, can see this, this change, this, this new life that's in us. We're, we're new people. But then I, I get to that part where he says, not just that I came that you may have life, but that you may have it abundantly, that you may have abundant amounts of this new thing called life. And so often, it seems, I find myself settling. I find myself settling for, for less than what I believe could be part of that abundant life. And I think to some degree, we, we all feel that. Uh, there's, there's just a, an understanding in us that we're kind of ordinary. We're ordinary people. And, and maybe, it's, maybe it's our culture. Maybe that's led to some confusion about what abundant life should be. So certainly the, the type of life that, that our culture puts out there as, as the thing that we should be pursuing is, is often in such stark contrast to the life that Jesus lived, to the life that he called his disciples, his apostles to. Uh, but, but in the midst of all of this, it kind of seems sometimes like that, that abundant life. It's just beyond our reach. But then we look and we remind ourselves that Jesus, he, he didn't promise this abundant life, this, this extraordinary life to, to extraordinary people. It was ordinary people like you and me that he called to follow him, that he told about this abundant life that was out there to be had. Ordinary people that he invited into this life of abundance. And so this week, we're, we're kicking off a new sermon series, uh, and we've called it The Cure for the Common Life. And we're going to spend the next several weeks kind of tracking down, tracing out this abundant life, 
and hopefully in the process, laying down some markers for us on a path that will take us to the abundant life that Jesus promised, the abundant life that he said was out there for ordinary people like me and you. And so in this first step on our path to discovering the abundant life, we're going to begin in Revelation chapter 3. Now, I know that some of you had a small moment of panic when I said Revelation, uh, because we think about this book of Revelation as, as something that is beyond our understanding. It, it's beyond our understanding in the same way that abundant life is, is beyond our grasp. But, but the book of Revelation is simply a vision, a revelation that Jesus gave to one of his followers, the Apostle John, towards the end of his life. It, it's a letter um, revealing all sorts of things. It, it's revealed to, it's addressed to seven churches, seven real churches just like this one uh, that existed back in John's day in the area known as Asia Minor, which we now know uh, as modern-day Turkey. And as Jesus gave this revelation to John to these seven churches, uh, towards the beginning of this letter, towards the beginning of this book, Jesus gives an address to each of the seven churches. And in these letters, there's all kinds of messages from Jesus. There are messages of commendation, the things that they're doing really well. And then there's also messages of criticism, areas that they need to change, that, that they need to get right. And, and as we look at the seven, we see that some churches were doing really well and received nothing but condemnation. Uh, others were doing not so well. And the church that we're going to look at today was the church of Laodicea. Uh, it's a church that was not doing so well. Uh, of all the churches, of the seven churches, Laodicea is the only one who receives no commendation from Jesus, no positive affirmation in a criticism sandwich. Uh, it's just letting them know What's gone wrong? And as we see, as we look at his words to Laodicea, we're going to ask, what, what did it look like to have gotten it so wrong? And then, how did it happen? How did they get to where they were? How did they end up there? And we would be remiss not to ask, is this us? Is this a picture that Jesus wants to speak to us in some way? And if it is, then, then what do we do about it? So the first question, what, what did it look like? And we're going to begin at Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. And, and in each of the addresses to the churches, Jesus describes himself in a slightly different way. In verse 14, he starts, And to the angel of the church in Laodicea. Uh, angel means messenger. It was probably written to the human leadership in the church of Laodicea. And he writes this. He says, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation, Jesus. He says, I know your works. In other words, I know your deeds. I know your way of life. I know the life that you're living. 
And here's my evaluation. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm about to, I'm going to, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now we often come to this passage or, or words like this and, and we make some assumptions. We assume that to be, to be hot is good and to be cold is bad. Uh, that to be hot would mean to be on fire, to be passionate. And to be cold would mean to be kind of cold-hearted and, and closed down to God. And that on that spectrum, that, that lukewarm would reside somewhere in between, that, that, that they're just kind of indifferent to Jesus, indifferent to the things of God. Uh, but some historical and, and geographic context will help us understand what Jesus is saying to this church. You see, the church in Laodicea uh, is kind of in the center right of our map there. Uh, it was neighbored by two rival communities. Uh, the community at Hierapolis to the north and at Colossae to the south and the east. You see, Colossae was known for something. They had fresh, pure, cold water that was their perennial water source for the city. It, it was the reason why that was one of the first areas of settlement in the area. Abundant, cold water. Heropolis, on the other hand, they didn't have ice-cold water. They had something else. They had mineral hot springs. Heropolis was, was known as a destination, a, a place that people could go for healing, that they could receive healing and soothing for their ailments, for their sickness, through the mineral hot springs that Hierapolis offered. You see, in Jesus' picture, to be cold was a reflection of the waters of Colossae that provided refreshment to the thirsty. Uh, to be hot would have meant to be like the mineral hot springs of Hierapolis, providing soothing, healing, and comfort to the hurting. But to be lukewarm in Laodicea was a reflection of their water source. You see, Laodicea lacked a good water source. Uh, they had a river flowing by, but it, it was not good water. It was not cold. It was not refreshing. Uh, they made attempts through an aqueduct to bring in the warm waters of Hierapolis, but they just arrived lukewarm and had lost all of their healing power. And so Jesus, in saying that they're neither cold nor hot, is saying that as a church, as his body in that community, that, that they're not refreshing anyone. That those who are thirsting for something more find no refreshment in the people of Christ. That they're not hot either. That, that the people of Jesus in this community were not bringing healing that they were not ministering to the broken and the hurting. They were simply lukewarm, which offered nothing to anyone 
I, I hear the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 echoing in his words here. As he told his church, as he told his disciples, he said, you are the salt of the earth. Uh, salt was meant to preserve things, uh, to give flavor to life. But he said, look, if the salt loses its saltiness, it's, it's no good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underground, underfoot. And, and he said, you're the light of the world. You're supposed to be like a city set on a hill. The, the people who were traveling after dark, which was a very dangerous proposition in Jesus' day, could look out and see a city lit up on a hill that would offer a place of refuge, a place of safety for those who were in danger. But this community of Laodicea was offering neither preservative and flavor nor safety and refuge for those who were around them. And Jesus says, I'm going to spit you out. Uh, like a lukewarm swig of water. I just want to spit it out. I want you to take a moment. I, I want you to picture yourself on a hot summer day in Phoenix, Arizona. Painful, I know, but it's getting better. I, I want you to picture yourself with your favorite ice-cold beverage in your hand. Don't worry, I'm not judging you for what your favorite ice-cold beverage on a hot summer day is, but I just want you to picture that. And I want you to picture taking your first drink. I'm trying to decide myself, is it ice green tea or root beer? I mean, what? Now I want you to picture that drink 15 minutes later, after it's been sitting on your patio table in the sun for a while, and, and you've enjoyed some of it, and you go back to take another drink, and, and you find that it's no longer icy cold. It's, it's no longer providing that brisk refreshness, refreshment to your mouth because it's gone lukewarm. And you know the feeling. You just, you just want to spit it out. It's a feeling of disappointment. It's a feeling of a little bit of disgust that, ooh, this thing that had so much potential has lost all of its potential. I just want to dump it out. That would be the best use for it at this point in time. You know, some things were meant to be enjoyed cold and, and other things were meant to be enjoyed hot. Um, my wife the other day um, made some homemade pizza. Uh, it came out of the oven and uh, I just had to take a picture of it. Uh, the melting cheese, the sausage, the golden brown crust. I, I wanted to memorialize the moment uh, as I anticipated uh, eating this pizza. Well, we, we had kind of a long discussion at dinner that night. Um, most of us were still seated around the table about an hour and a half later, and, and I'd been participating so much that I hadn't actually eaten as much as I would have liked to have eaten, so I, I picked up this piece of pizza that had been on my plate for over an hour, and I lifted it up, and um, against my better judgment, I took a bite, um, and it had gone soggy and cold, and uh, this pizza that was so good an hour earlier just wasn't uh, anymore, uh, and, and it wasn't the pizza's fault. 
it, it had a lot of potential, um, but its potential had not been curated. It, it had not been preserved. Uh, it had lost its appeal. Uh, so, so we've seen what, what it looked like in Laodicea uh, to be lukewarm. Now we have to ask the question, how, how did it happen? You see, Laodicea, uh, in, well, we're going to read in, in verse 17. Uh, we'll pick up in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17. Jesus says this, he says, this is how it happened. Uh, the reason you're lukewarm, the reason that I'm about to spit you out of my mouth is this. It's that you look at yourselves and you say, I am rich. I'm rich. I've prospered. I've amassed great amounts of wealth. And as a result of that, I need nothing. I'm good. Jesus says, but what you don't realize is that you're not rich at all. As a matter of fact, you're wretched. You're pitiable. You're poor. You're blind. You're naked. You see, the richest of the seven churches, materially, was Laodicea. Uh, they had extremely profitable industries that included banking. Uh, you would have seen on our chart before that they were on two crossing trade paths. Banking was huge in Laodicea. Uh, they made a ton of money off of wool and linens and, and the dyeing of garments. And they were famous for their medicines People came from all over to obtain things like the eye ointment that was produced in Laodicea. They were rich. They'd also begun using this new uh, hashtag, Laodicea Strong. Uh, because you see, after Laodicea suffered a, a devastating earthquake, they rebuilt their city themselves. Uh, that when the Roman Empire offered assistance in the rebuilding of their city, the proud citizens of Laodicea said, no need. We are, hashtag, Laodicea strong, and we will do this ourselves because we don't need anything from anyone. You see, where the church at Laodicea went wrong was when they confused their material status, uh, the physical, tangible things around them, the things that they owned, the things that they lived in, when they confused those with their spiritual state before God is where they went wrong. They were the richest church of the seven materially. But according to Jesus, they were the poorest spiritually. Uh, you know, the scary part is 
thought it was all good. They thought that their material position, their material condition was an indication that it was all good. As Jesus said, they were, they were completely blind. And he chooses some choice words. Wretched. Pitiful. Poor. Blind. Naked. It's a picture of someone who's in tremendous need. It's not a picture of someone who has everything. To be wretched and pitiful and poor and blind and naked is a picture of someone who has nothing. Has absolutely nothing. So the question is, is this us? Okay, that's for humor. It's the best TV show on television right now. I mean, come on, people. But, but on a serious note, is this us? I mean, because it's a little scary to me. It's a little scary to me that I, I could think that I'm doing not just fine, but, but great, and find out that my assessment of my condition is 180 degrees the opposite of the one who truly sees. I mean, that's a sobering thought for me. And, and if I ask myself, is this us? You know, from a 30,000-foot view, absolutely. I mean, it's like self-sufficiency should be the motto of our country, right? That we're Americans. We got this. You know, we put in God we trust on our money uh, just to remind us who we should trust, We're some of the most self-sufficient people in the, on the planet. We, we know what happens to the church when wealth invades, when, when comfort invades. Complacency takes over. And we see it over and over in the, in the cycle of, of human history that, that places where the church once thrived, it, it begins to die down as soon as people get comfortable. They get complacent. They say, I think it's fine. We're good. You know, it's easy for us to get caught up in our, our daily lives, the, the demands in front of us, a career, a job, you know, making ends meet, maintaining a home, caring for our children, make sure that they're provided for and, and they have the things in their lives that we believe they should have in their lives to make them successful adults down the future, down the road, in the future. Relationally, we can get caught up as well. But, but if this is us, if, if Jesus is giving us a picture of the, of the church in our day, and many believe that he is, then we're people in not just great need, but, but desperate need. 
And so the question becomes, what, what do we do? What did Jesus advise them to do? And we pick up in Revelation chapter 3, verses 18 through 20. Jesus says this, he says, I counsel you. I advise you, I implore you to buy from me. Uh, you see, the Laodiceans were, were really adept at transactions, financial transactions, business transactions, buying and selling. He's saying, look, I want you to buy. I want you to do business. I, I want you to execute some transactions, but I want you to do it with me. I want you to see me as the source of what it is that you're pursuing, the, the things that you need. I want you to stop, and I want you to look to me. Not for ordinary things, but, but for better things. He says this, I, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be actually rich. Uh, the purest gold, incorruptible gold, that you pursue this, you buy this from me through your life, and you'll have treasure in heaven. He says, I counsel you to buy from me white garments. Uh, now I know that you guys make great wool garments, and you dye them in many colors. Uh, but he's saying, what you can only buy from me are these white garments the type of white garments that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. We learn in Revelation chapter 19, verse 8, that at the picture we're given of the wedding supper of the Lamb where, where the believers who have overcome and who are joining Jesus at the wedding supper of the Lamb are given fine white linen to wear as Christ's bride for the wedding supper of the Lamb and John lets us know that these white garments are the righteous deeds. They're the outcome of a righteous life that's unstained, uncompromised, and uncorrupted by the world. And finally, he says, you should buy from me some salve, some ointment, so that you can anoint your eyes, so that you may see. He says, you've been blinded by the world around you. you. You've been blinded by your own wealth and your own success. And I need to bring healing to your vision. I, I need to bring some discernment to your heart so that you can begin to see things as they actually are. It's an invitation to recognize and to invite to stop, to see our Heavenly Father as the source of better things and to invite Him in to bring healing, to renew fellowship, to lead us into abundant life. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock in verse 20. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and I will dine with him and he or she will dine with me. You see, the first step 
on a path to the abundant life is an honest assessment of present life. Uh, The first step on the path to abundant life is an honest assessment of the present life. You see, it's, it's hard for Jesus to take us from where we are to where He wants us to be, unless we've actually been given a clear picture of where it is that we currently are. It's this first step that Jesus invites us into in his letter to the church at Laodicea. But I want to ask you, what would happen? What would it look like if you allowed Jesus, if you invited Jesus you and he sitting down for an honest assessment of present life? What if you invited him to reveal to you areas where you've settled? Areas where you're not pressing in to what he calls you to? What would it look like if you asked him and said, God, reveal to me places that you've already shown me, you've probably already shown me, and I didn't want to see, or I saw and I ran. But, but where are the places that my heart aligns with your purposes? Where are the places that you're inviting me in inviting me into what it is that you are doing in the world. I know I'm just an ordinary person. But I believe that there's some extraordinary things that you would use me, an ordinary person, for in the lives of other people. And what would it look like if you pressed into those places? For real. And then I want you to picture this. What if, what if you did that? And I did that. And they did that. And she did that. And everyone in this section did that as well. And we all were willing to give and receive that honest assessment of the present life. And then we began not to settle, but to press in, uh, to do the hard work sometimes, uh, to confront things in ourselves, maybe confront things in our relationships, but to, but to press in, and, and we all began to do that. What if every person in this room began being cold and hot, Uh, began being the cold that brings refreshment to people, and the hot that brings healing to the hurting and the broken. I mean, what if? What would that look like? 
in our homes, in this church, and then most importantly, out there to the people we work with, the people we pass and interact with in our daily business in the world. Shortly after September 11th, 2001, five students, five students at Texas A&M University came up with a plan. They wanted to turn Kyle Field, the football stadium, that Saturday into a giant human flag. And so they set about their business. Uh, they made arrangements. They made plans. Uh, they came up with a, the idea that, that they would sell red shirts to one section of the crowd and they would sell white shirts to another section and they would sell blue shirts to the final section and the stadium would become a giant human billboard. You see, here's the thing. I don't cheer for Texas A&M. Not really even a little. I mean, got some bad blood there. Maybe cost us a bowl game one time or something. And, and you know, I know people that do cheer for Texas A&M, uh, which makes it even harder to share this illustration, but um, they were in the first service, so we'll let that go. But see, here's the thing. I don't have to be a Texas A&M fan to be a fan of this. I don't have to want their team to win in order to look at something like this on the occasion that it happened and to applaud what they were doing. You see, in each time someone does something like that, that everyone can applaud, they draw people in a little bit. Uh, they draw people in a little closer. And so I'm a little bit more of a fan of Texas A&M today than I was two weeks ago. And you know, the same is true for the church. You know, we don't have 75,000 fans or, or 85,000 fans like Texas A&M gets at their football games. <laughs> we have more people gathered in the church today than will gather in all of the NFL stadiums across the country combined. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And when we're about the things that Jesus was about, People can't help but applaud. They can't help but nod their heads. They can't help but affirm that that's right and that that's good. And you know what happens? They get drawn in a little closer. 
They get drawn in a little closer. They get invited into the story. And so the question is, what, what if we, what if we became a human billboard for a singular message? What if we became human billboards for the message of the gospel and the grace of Jesus Christ? A singular, unified body representing a Savior who calls ordinary people to be made new and to do extraordinary things. Not necessarily that the world calls extraordinary. It's not about fame and fortune and prestige. It's about following a Savior and doing the things that He is about. What would it look like? What could it look like? The first step on the path to the abundant life that Jesus calls us to that he has promised to ordinary people like me, like you, is an honest assessment of our present life. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for grace. The grace that without which none of us would stand before you. Uh, the grace through which you've invited us into your story, into relationship. And it's by that grace that we come humbly this morning. Lord, let your spirit do a work. Let our eyes be opened. Let blind eyes be open and hardened hearts be softened to hear what the Spirit says to your church. Amen. In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. You know, I consider myself a pretty good friend, but, but I was reading this book a few months ago and it told me that a, a real friend would tell their friend that their couch smells. And, and I actually had a friend whose couch smelled really bad. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. You know, but Jesus is a better friend. He says, those whom I love, I reprove. Uh, those whom I love, I, I say the hard things. Why? Because I want to lead them into abundant life. 
And if I don't say the things that need to be said, if they aren't awakened to their real condition, then they'll never get where I want them to be. And so just know today that it's out of love that he tells us what we need to hear. And my prayer for you this morning is, is that his words to you today, whatever the Spirit was speaking to you today, that those words would go with you this week. Uh, that you'd take some time, take some moments to, to be with Him. To invite Him in. To invite Him into leading you further on. Further on in this path to abundant life. That's my prayer for us this week.